Welcome back. Today we're going to examine David's highest priority in his life, connecting in deep relationships, reading scripture, talking to God through prayer, and serving in the way God had shaped his personality and experiences were all important pieces that helped him through life's challenges. However, David's greatest priority was loving and connecting with God, what we call worship. Ultimately, it was his connection with God that fueled everything else in his life. David wrote, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, and to seek Him in His temple. David's utmost desire was to spend time with God, seeking Him and gazing upon His beauty. If we're to become people after God's own heart, we must practice connecting with God just like David did. We must develop that heart after God's heart. That's what David had. What does it look like to seek God like David did? We're gonna focus on two practices that David used to connect with God. The first David used was meditating on what God is like. He gazed on the beauty of the Lord. We can't see God with our physical eyes, but we can focus and reflect on what He is like. There are probably an infinite number of ways that we can discover what God is like around us. We can see glimpses of Him in books, movies, other people, in opportunities, and even in hard times. The Bible says, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of His hands. And many people love to connect with God through nature. Two of the most powerful ways to discover what God is like are through meditating on scripture and through music. All scripture is God's story, but there are certain passages that reveal what He's like so clearly. It's helpful to meditate on those scriptures as we seek to know God more. Here's one of David's meditations on what God is like. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all He has made. The Lord is trustworthy in all He promises and faithful in all He does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways and faithful in all He does. The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear Him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love Him, but all the wicked He will destroy. What a vivid picture of who God is. He's good to all. He has compassion on all. He's trustworthy in all He promises and faithful in all He does. As we spend time reading God's Word, we need to look for scriptures that reveal pictures of what God is like and stop and reflect on them. We need to chew on those passages to get a clear picture of what God is like and mark them in our Bible so we can come back to them when we need to be encouraged. The same principle is true with worshiping through songs. The reason that we sing songs at the beginning of church gatherings isn't just because we like music or we think we're great singers or just need to warm up before hearing a sermon. It's to meditate on the truth in those songs that oftentimes comes from scripture about what God is like, and through that connect with God. As we sing, we should be thinking about the words that we're saying, not just singing mindlessly. When we sing something like, your love never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me, that really is meditating on what God's love is all about. 
And as we understand that more, we develop a closer connection to God. That's what seeking God is all about. The more we seek Him, the more we find out what He's like. And the more we find out what He's like, the more we love Him. And the more we find out what He's like and the more we love Him, we become more like Him. The second thing David practiced was reflecting on the stories of God coming through in his life. We must remember, in fact, we must be constantly remembering what God has done for us. David writes in Psalm 145 that I will meditate on God's wonderful works. God has done wonderful works in each of our lives. He has changed us on the inside out. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Meditating and actively calling to remembrance what God has done in our lives builds our connection with God and increases the depth of our worship. It takes our relationship with God from impersonal to personal. When we allow the incredible things He's done in our past to fade from memory, it's much easier to get discouraged and distracted and disconnected in our relationship with God. Stories of what God has done reveal another aspect of what He's like. I love reading stories about God coming through in impossible situations for others. But to remember what He's done in my own life, to remember how He's provided when I've had incredible need, how He was faithful to a promise even when I'd forgotten and become discouraged, how He died for me even while I was still a sinner, helps me to connect with God on a much deeper, more intimate level. If you struggle worshiping, I encourage you to regularly remember the things God has done in your life. And as you do that, begin to verbalize your thanks for and celebration of the good things God has done. Take that appreciation into whatever you have to do next, whether it's cooking, working, or going to your small group. That will help develop a heart of worship. One of the most powerful practices of remembering what God has done for us is in the Lord's Supper or communion. It's an act of remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. There are numerous traditions about communion in different churches. While we respect our brothers and sisters who have different traditions about communion, the Bible only shares a few guidelines about how to celebrate it. First, if we are to take the Lord's Supper, we must be followers of Jesus. If you've never decided to follow Jesus, this is a great opportunity to ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Ask Him to save you and choose to follow Him as God. The second requirement is that we examine ourselves before we eat the bread and drink the cup. While we examine ourselves, we have the opportunity as followers of Jesus to confess and turn from our own sins. Thus, taking communion not only becomes a time of remembrance, but also a time of realigning our lives with how God commands us to live. The Bible doesn't say to take communion once a month or every week. It just says when we do take it, we're supposed to examine ourselves as followers of Jesus. As a part of the group meeting today, we're gonna to celebrate communion together as we remember the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made for us and the incredible transformation He has made in each of us. Don't worry about what to do or say for that. We have a short video guiding you through the communion celebration.
In our group meeting today, we're going to focus on both of these ways of connecting with God. We're going to spend some time meditating on what God is like through scripture and song. Then we'll spend some time remembering what God has done in our lives by taking communion. Enjoy your group time worshiping together. Uh, we even have had people in our small group that they lost their job. And they come to small group and they said, you know what, I have no money to pay for my mortgage or my rent this month, what should I do? Let's pitch in. Everybody pitched some money, we gathered the money, here is your solution. That's what a small group really is in times of need because everybody have a difficult times. But small group is always there for you. And that's my, my small group. And I can tell you, I can talk for hours and hours of my life in my small group, but it has been uh, such a blessing. We recently have a couple, they didn't have a, a relationship with God. And it was so beautiful to have them coming, then receiving the Lord. They were living together, and at the end they decided to get married. Now what we are doing, we are planning their wedding. So the wedding is on their way, but they were putting things together. And if, if I asked them, why did you decide to put your life together and everything? Oh, because I came to this small group just trying to have fun. And by doing something that I like. And then at the end, I ended up knowing Jesus Christ, having a personal relationship with him, which is the most beautiful thing that any human being can have. 